You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to Crunch Time on a Thursday here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros and the national champion LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We are broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. EVCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The New Orleans Pelicans picked up a crucial win last night over the Memphis Grizzlies in overtime. It shouldn't have gone to overtime, but we'll get into that here in just a moment. Also, the Masters well underway in Augusta, Georgia. Got a three-way tie for the lead currently as we head towards the end of day number one. And we've got a spring football game to preview tonight in Acadiana as the Vermilion and White spring game will be taking place for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Michael Desermo will join us here on today's Crunch Time. Once again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. Let's bring in my producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday to you, sir. How are you? Happy Thursday, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well. There I'm doing go. well. You know, you, you when you get to this time of year where the holidays are coming, well, the Easter holiday is coming, the Masters is on, MLB baseball is in full swing, the NBA playoffs are getting ready to start. It's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, there's, there's never college baseball is in full swing. There's just never, there's never enough time to get to everything that we need to get to on a daily basis, which really just makes it fun. Uh, but you know, we're talking about the Masters again—a three-way tie for first place currently. Victor Hovland is at seven under. John Rahm is at seven under, and then Brooks Kepka is at seven under. So far on the day, your poll question of the day out of the four golf majors, which one is your favorite? And it is not even close. 92% say the Masters, 4% say the British Open, 3% say the U.S. Open, and then the other 2% say the PGA Championship. Mine is hands down the masters uh, and, and you know one thing I want to hear on the game hotline is do you have a all-time favorite masters moment and I mean it could be anything it could be Jack Nicholas winning his first masters it could be Tiger Woods's chip from the greenside bunker in, in 2005 it could be Tiger coming back and winning in 2019 Jordan Spieth winning in 2015. Bubba Watson pulling off one of the most improbable shots I, I think I've ever seen in my life uh, when he was buried deep in the pine straw and, and found his way out uh, late there on that Sunday. There's so many in just incredible moments from the Masters. Um, you know, mine, and it's not even a good one, it, it's actually one of the biggest collapses in in Masters history. Jordan Spieth wins the Masters in 2015, leads the tournament wire to wire. And then he comes back in, in 2016. He has the 54-hole lead going into Sunday, has a strong front nine, and you're sitting there going, oh, man, Jordan Spieth, this you know 22-year-old, is going to go back-to-back. He's going to win the Masters again. And then he he bogeys 10. He bogeys 11. And then he hits two shots into the water on 12 for a quadruple bogey and puts himself out of contention. One of the biggest collapses, for sure, in Masters history, could quite possibly be one of the biggest collapses in golf history. Um... And, and I think that stretch of Jordan going from the top 
to the bottom in a year. It's just... It's intriguing to look at because the way he's bounced back in his career, obviously still looking to, to win that second Masters, but the way he's been able to continue grinding and continue being one of the best golfers in, in the in the world has really been a sight to see at still such a young age. I mean, he's still under the age of 30. Um, so very cool to see Jordan doing what he's doing. Obviously, you know, Tiger winning five green jackets is, is a sight to behold. 2019 was an all-time great moment. James, I know you're not too much of a golfer, but if you had to pick a Masters moment, would it be one of Tiger's five wins? Would it be Jordan Spieth winning in 2015? Which one are you picking? Yeah, you can always go with the 2019 with Tiger, with him, you know, battling from all his injuries and everything he's had to deal with. But I remember in 2015 kind of talking about it at kind of catechism and hearing Jordan Spieth being the second youngest Mm -hmm. to win in the Masters. I I thought that was a pretty cool moment, even though I didn't get to see it necessarily live, just kind of hearing about that. That one really sticks out to me. Yeah, looking at the rest of the leaderboard so far for this tournament, again, three-way tie between Rom Kepka and Victor Hovland. Cam Young is close behind at five under Shane Lowry and Xander Shoffley at four under Sam Burns, former LSU player, also at four under Jordan Spieth sitting at three under currently through 11 holes. Justin Thomas right behind at two under. We will update the players that are currently playing throughout today's edition of Crunch Time. But looking at the Pelicans, but before we we wrap up this opening conversation here on Crunch Time, brought up the big win last night over the Grizzlies, 138 to 131. And it was a game that really went up and down, up and down, up and down. So at the end of the first quarter, Pelicans were only down two. But then you get outscored by 15 in the second quarter, and you're down 17 at the halftime break. And then in the third quarter, you really came to life, outscoring Memphis by 12 You outscored them in the fourth quarter by five. Had the game won, you were up six with 11 seconds left. Missed free throw. Offensive rebound. A foul on a three-point shot. Another foul. And next thing you know, Memphis ties it with .4 seconds to go. So you go to overtime. Now, what's interesting about this is... Right there at that overtime break, you think, man, after a collapse like that, most teams would probably fold and go away. Pelicans didn't. Outscore Memphis 14-7 to in the overtime frame to win at 138-131. to Herb Jones was magnificent. 35 points to go along with seven rebounds, three assists, and three blocks on the night. Brandon Ingram, 24 points, 13 assists. C.J. McCollum had 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. He was 6 of 9 from downtown. And then Trey Murphy. Well, Trey Trey Murphy did what Trey Murphy does. 30 points, 4 assists, 3 steals. He was 7 of 13 from behind the arc. Now with the win, the Pelicans have secured themselves at least a spot in the play-in. So postseason play, however you want to look at it. James, what did you see out of the Pelicans last night, you know, really as a whole? Well, I didn't get to really watch most of the first half, and I really got to hone in on the game when they started to really get on fire in the fourth quarter. Like, they really couldn't miss. It was insane. I thought I was watching prime Golden State basketball with how often they were shooting threes, and they were making them. Uh, it was. I was shocked. I, I had to post about it a couple times on Twitter. But the issue to me was, yeah, you came back. 
yeah, you ended up taking a lead, but it's like every time you would hit a three-pointer and you shrunk the Grizzlies lead down in that fourth quarter, you'd still end up giving a shot, give up a shot. So it's like you would go plus one between the two possessions, but it's like you weren't stopping anyone. That was my big issue. You were you were hot from three. You were killing it last night. But my issue was you finally got a lead. You were cutting the lead down, but it took a lot longer because the defense kept breaking down, and then you actually end up having the six-point lead. You had 11 seconds left. I ended up turning off the game. I was like, I had stayed here, right here in the studio until about 11 seconds left, 16 seconds left. And I'm like, okay, they got a six-point lead. They should be able to handle it, right? Should be able to handle it. So I packed up my computer, put it in my bag, and I clocked out and got out of here. Little did I know, when I got home, I saw the notification on Bleach Report saying, final overtime, Pelicans win 138-130. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, it definitely wasn't a great final 11 seconds to the game. But the the thing that stands out to me is that this was the first time in franchise history that you had three players score 30 or more, which is huge. And then the resilience of the team to not only squander that lead with 11 seconds left and go to overtime, but find a way to win it in overtime was just, it, it was huge. Um, and, and look, you, this was a win you desperately needed. You got it. And now you have tons of momentum, in, in my opinion, heading into a, a matchup with the New York Knicks in a win that you also need. So, look, obviously, are, are, are the Pelicans perfect? No, not even close. Um, there, there's plenty of issues that the Pelicans need to address. But last night's win was impressive. It was a good win for New Orleans. And again, 41-39, and 39, you've locked up a spot in at least the play-in tournament. Uh, Memphis falls to 50-30. and 30. And again, the Pelicans will play the New York Knicks tomorrow night in the Smoothie King Center before they finish the season in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. The play-in tournament will obviously take place next week before the playoffs get underway. Today's show only going to be 90 minutes as we turn it over to LSU Baseball as they are on the road in Columbia, South Carolina to play the Gamecocks. Coming up next, Michael Desermo, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns head football coach. I sat down with him earlier in the week. We chat about the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball. We break down each position group, who stands out, who's made an impact in the spring, and how much growth have you seen from Zeon Chris now that he's taking all of the reps in spring practice at the quarterback spot. We'll start the interview next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, well, then you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Just register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on a Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns will play their Vermilion and White Spring game tonight at 7.30 inside the Moncla Indoor Facility, close to the general public. Earlier this week, I sat down with Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo to talk about 
the spring season, you know, he broke down each position, who stood out, who's made an impact, what's the latest on the quarterback situation, was Zion Chris taking pretty much all of the snaps so far this spring. Uh, it was a great in-depth conversation. Um, we actually have it for the next two segments here on Crunch Time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Louisiana football head coach Michael Desermo right here on The Game. All right, Coach, you know, coming into year two here, Looking at at it from a spring football perspective, everybody says that your biggest growth is from year one to year two. So what's been different with this spring compared to last spring? Well, you have a full recruiting cycle to kind of fill in some gaps and some places that you need them. And, uh, you know, certainly last year we were thin in some places that, you know, you really don't want to be. But, you know, just kind of due to the nature of what college athletics has become, you know, you kind of you really can't foresee some of the turnover that you're going to have and the attrition you're going to have. So we were able to kind of get ourselves healthy uh, roster-wise in some spots that's made it way more competitive and a whole lot better top to bottom. You know, looking at what we'll start with the top, looking at the quarterback situation, you, you brought up, you've talked about Zeon a couple of times this spring, how he's been able to take most of the first team reps with both Chandler and Ben being out. Having that opportunity for him to work the most out of the quarterbacks, talk about his development this spring and what you've seen out of him in his second year here. He's taking every rep with the ones and twos. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's what you hoped, right? You know, um, there, there's two ways to look at everything, right? You, you can look at the positive or you can look at the negative and things. And the positive is that we got a young quarterback who we think is extremely talented that got more reps than – it usually take you three springs to get that main rep. So that's the positive in it. And what you hope to see was you hope to see the kid would rise to the occasion and he would elevate his game. And he has, um, you know, he had a great first uh, two and a half weeks. And then at the end of two and a half weeks, all the stuff didn't have his best couple days in a row. And then he's just bounced right back from that. So, you know, you've seen him go through it up and down a little bit and you've seen him handle it really well. So, you know, Zion has done really exactly what we're hoping. He's learned the protections even better. He's getting to where I wouldn't say he's mastered them, uh, but he's got a way better understanding than what he had. He's fixing them. He's communicating better, which is what you want. And, you know, the, the reps are invaluable. And our staff has done a great job of being creative in practice and finding ways to better get him the reps that he needs, but not wear him out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the spring that he had, and I'm, I'm excited about him, man. He's a, a great competitor, phenomenal teammate, And um, he's taking steps that you want to see him take. He's learning the offense better. He's competing better. Um, You know, and he's handled the ebbs and flows that even happen during practice. You know, good day, bad day, good period, bad period. He's kind of even keeled through the whole thing. Now, Coach, looking at the quarterback room and the injuries to both Chandler and Ben, with Zeon taking all the reps in the spring, would you be willing to say that Zeon would be the front runner right now to be the starter in the fall? You know, I mean – there's a lot of work between now and then, you know, so I think it's hard to say. And the nature of kind of, you know, Ben's injury certainly is, you know, how does he bounce back from that, right? Um, you know, the way Ben played last year for our team, he certainly uh, – he earns the right to be in that conversation if he's healthy and he's ready to go. Um, you know, Chandler's injury is just really unfortunate timing. Um, it's not football-related. Um, you know, he had to have a procedure that has nothing to do with football or anything. It's just a very unfortunate deal. So, you know, Chandler, truthfully, if we were starting spring next week, he would probably be ready to go day one. It's just really bad timing. So, um, you know, I mean, is he the front runner? Well, I mean, maybe with the reps that he's taken, but um, certainly you got three guys that now I know it's three that are very capable. I've seen Ben win football games for our team. Um, seen Chandler play really well down the stretch last year and win games. And certainly with what Zion has done in the spring, you feel like you've got three guys that are all very capable of leading this team. So it puts you in a really good spot when you get all three of them back. Um, the one that I'm, I don't want to say most concerned about, I think the one that's most up in the air is probably Ben's. Uh, he's ahead of schedule, and the guy works his tail off like we knew he would. It's just how ready are you, you know, when it's time to go? And that's going to be the question. You know, that actually leads into my next question. You, you talked about Ben being ahead of schedule. Where is he at in his recovery? You know, is there a timetable to, to when he's going to be, you know, in pads ready to be back on the field? You know, I really don't know. And I don't know that they could tell you exactly when he'll be in pads, ready to go in a full team setting with, with the bullets flying. Um, you know, the, this the, the recovery from an ACL surgery is such a process that – 
you know, you can sit down and map out a plan, but there are steps and points that you got to hit along the way. So he's ahead of schedule. I mean, he's jumping, he's doing plyos, he's doing footwork at the quarterback position, he's running straight line, um, he's throwing, you know, modified. You know, he's not really driving long throws, but he's throwing intermediate routes and throwing well. So he's progressing really nicely. It's just with the, these types of injuries, um, having some setbacks along the way are, are pretty typical, you know, and, um, I think for him, it's just going to be to, and I know the way he is, the way he wants to come back. It's going to be inevitably when you have a little setback mentally, just, you know, kind of shrugging it off a little bit saying, okay, well, I got to slow down a little bit here and then I'll get back to it. Um, so, you know, I mean, he's doing a phenomenal job with it, which I never questioned. Um, but I really don't know that I could sit here and say, all right, on this day is when right. we expect it to be full go. Looking at your running backs, you know, you've, you've talked about how they've had a strong spring, especially Jacob Cabote. Uh, what about Terrence Williams, Draylon Washington? How's that group looking so far this spring? I think Draylon's had the best spring. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that we've always felt was really talented. He just had a long way to go as far as maturity goes and kind of figuring out how the, you know, the whole thing works. You know, it's not just about what you can do on the field. It's about what you do consistently um, every day, and that carries over to what you do on the field. So, um, Draylon's had a great spring. You know, Terrence is really consistent, always has been. Um, and there's a lot of value in the big physical downhill back. Um, you know, Jacob Cabote, the, the things with him and the thing we talked to him about going into this spring is, you know, doing the physical tough things more consistently. And he has done it more consistently, which is what, you know, he's a big back, you know, and he plays really physical at times. Uh, it's just knowing when to finish, you know. Not every play is going to be a home run. Not everyone is going to be – is going to go the distance, you know. Sometimes there's value in, in putting your putting your putting your face in it and going get the dirty three extra yards. That you know it makes a difference in the game. So he's done those things really well. And then uh, you know, you, you, Zylan Perry is a guy that we've we've been excited about from the day he got here. Um, unfortunately, he had a hamstring injury at the beginning of spring, and he didn't really start going full go until this week. So. Uh, he looked good. You know, last Saturday we had a scrimmage and made a couple nice plays in there. He's run the ball pretty well, but he just – he's missed a lot of reps. And so um, a guy like him who was a high school quarterback, uh, he needs reps. So that that was a little bit uh, – I was disappointed for him because I do think that the kid's got a really high ceiling um, and certainly still feel that way. But he's got a little bit of ground to make up going into the summer just because of the time missed. Looking at wide receiver, Lance Lejean is a guy that – you know, he comes here as a quarterback. You transition him over to wide receiver, and now it looks like he's got potential to be playing on Sundays as a wide receiver. What have you seen from him this spring, and how has he kind of taken control of the receiver group? Well, you know, I've seen consistent growth in him, um, and, and that's what he needs to continue to do. Um, I've said it before. You know, people have no idea the the, the amount of technical – coaching that goes into playing wide receiver and just because a guy is a great athlete just because a guy played quarterback and knows the offense certainly doesn't mean you just run out there and go play receiver so he's made consistent growth um his athleticism is undeniable i mean everyone on the field knows it um it's just going to be to continue to learn that position and learn the tricks of the trade um you know and i've said this before you know michael jefferson his junior year, there wasn't a whole lot of people talking about him being a potential NFL draft pick. It takes time to learn the position the way that we play it. And, and Lance has made huge strides. Um, and he's a guy that we certainly are counting on to make plays um, in that room. You know, him along with Jake Bernard and Peter LeBlanc are the guys who have made plays in games for us in that room. And we need those guys to continue to develop. And, you know, you use the term take control of that room. That's what you need is the three guys who have done it before to do that while these talented young players are coming up um, and certainly you're going to see a lot of those young players play this year we're going to need them to um, to get to too deep you know um, at every position but you know you need the older guys who have done it to go and do it and so for Lance it's just constant progress and that's what it has to be for him because um, he hasn't even scratched the surface of really what he can do at that position just because there are so many technical things that go into it and once he does you know, he's got a chance to be really special. Offensive line last year was, was a group where you had to replace a lot. There was going to be a lot of young guys playing valuable reps. Yeah. 
now this year it's it's kind of the opposite. You got tons of experience coming back on the offensive line. James Ohanba, AJ Gilly, Jax Harrington. Talk about that group and what stood out so far this spring. <laughs> well, it's been a lot more fun because that group's been a lot better this spring. Uh, you know, uh, last spring, you know, we, we we joke about it. You know, we got one healthy quarterback this year, but last year we had one healthy old lineman, so we're in a better spot right now. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, but but the reality of it is, is, is it's true. AJ Gilly's the only guy who went through the whole spring. You know, um, I think uh, George Jackson did as well. But George was, I mean, he was a freshman, and you know, we didn't know really what he was going to be able to do. So, um, you know, that that group has made a ton of progress. I mean, shoot, they they got a lot better all last year as the year went on, and so now you return to a group that has a lot of experience. Um, the position battle right now is probably for right tackle. Um, you know, you would say that the, the other four guys are, are probably, they, they've got the, you know, nothing's ever final, right? But they it's their position to lose, you know, at left tackle with Nathan, left guard with AJ, at center with Landon, at right guard with Jax. You know, those guys, they're, it's their job to lose. Um, at right tackle is the one where you really, you want someone to go and take it. And uh, Quentin Williams has had, a, has had a phenomenal spring. I mean, that guy has come, light years from last summer when he got here and he's done a really good job. George Jackson is a guy that we feel like has a ton of potential um, and ability to play. And then now King McGowan, um, you know, the problem with King is he's been here for a while. He's just missed so much time because of injuries that he's, his development is a little bit delayed, you know, um, as a guy that's a junior, you'd expect, you know, maybe you'd hope he'd be further along in some areas, but it's not his fault. He just hadn't gotten reps. So, those three guys, I would say, are probably the most in contention for that right tackle spot. But you feel really good about the depth you have with, uh, you know, obviously those three, right? So whoever doesn't win the job, they're going to be in the mix potentially in that top seven or eight. Um, you add Caden Morrow in there, who's done some really good things. Uh, you know, Trent Murphy had a really good spring to start with. You know, he ended up having to have a procedure uh, to clean up his knee. Uh, Brian Williams is going to be a really good player. He's probably still a year away um, just from learning the whole thing. And especially he came from an offense where, you know, they were running, you know, under center triple option, just running off the rock. And then last year he missed the fall, you know, because of an injury. So you got some of those guys that, you know, in the future are going to be really special. And then you're adding some players, you know, that you never know what you're going to get when they get in the door here in June. So, um, much better spot there with the offensive line. Really excited about the progress that that group has made. And, you know, uh, Jeff Nord and, and, and Bryant Ross, I mean, those guys are – they're really good teachers, man. They, uh, they they develop those kids. Everyone's got a different personality. And uh, I don't know, you, you kind of – you love to see the progress. That's what, that's what coaching's all about. Don't move a muscle. We talk about Louisiana's defense coming up in 2023 next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Golf's first major is a tradition unlike any other, and now you can bet on who you think will win at Augusta on FanDuel. Right now, all customers can get bonus bets back if your Augusta winner doesn't win but finishes at least in the top 10. I'm going to take Rory to McElroy to win at Augusta, even though he's not doing the best right now. I'm going to take Scotty Shuffler to play overall well, and then Jordan Spieth to finish in the top 20. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's so many different betting options, and when you win, you're going to get paid instantly. So drive down Magnolia Lane and take a swing at betting at the first major. So visit FanDuel.com KLWB to get bonus bets back if your Augusta winner doesn't win, but does finish in the top 10. That's FanDuel.com slash KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refunds are issued as nominal drawable bonus bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $25 otherwise, unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or somebody know a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time here on a Thursday edition. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. 
First half of the conversation with head coach Michael Desermo. We spent some time talking about the offense. Now let's flip gears. Let's look at the defensive side. They've lost, you know, a, a couple of pieces on the defensive line. And really, when you look at the linebackers and secondary, they're coming back stronger than ever. So what what does coach think about his defense coming in to, to 2023 right here on the game? Looking at the defensive line, you know, there's a lot of holes to, to fill there. Obviously, Zion Hill Green graduated. Andre Jones headed to the NFL draft. Who's really stepped up in those two spots? And then talk about the depth that you have at linebacker with, with guys like Caleb Edwards and KC Osai and Jasper Williams really stepping up over, over the last couple of games, making an impact. So on the D line, you know, I mean, when you, you know, we played Andre as an outside backer last year pretty much exclusively. Um, you know, when you lose Zion, you're not going to go one for one with a guy like that right away. Um, so it's, it's strength in numbers. Um, you know, certainly. Jordan Lawson played really good football for us last year. Um, he has not been able to practice this spring. You know, last year when he had to have that procedure at the end of the year, he, right. he's still out. Now he's making good progress. He's on track. He'll be good to go for the summer. Um, so, you know, I think you added two really good players in uh, Antoine Bayless and Kadarius Miller um, that both got here in January. Um, you know, Antoine Bayless, I think, has a chance to be a, a pretty special player for us in this league. Um, Kadarius has a chance to be a really good one too. He's still kind of figuring out. Antoine kind of got it a little bit quicker. Um, but man, you, you know, you just go down the line. You know, Sonny Hazard and Marcus Weiser have have picked have played really well at a high level. Um, you know, and Marcus is only going to keep getting better as we do more things that kind of fit his game. Um, you know, this spring is it's not about winning the drill. It's about you know doing certain things that both sides of the ball need. Um, so those guys have done a really good job. You know, Mason Narcisse I think is the one that you look at it and you say, this is the guy that's played well for us. It's time for him to go play great for us. And, uh, you know, I think Mason is up for that challenge. Um, I have been really, really pleased with Nigel McGriff this this spring. Um, always felt like he had a lot of ability, just kind of, you know, just kind of never really came out of his shell, never really put it on display. And, uh, you know, he's figured out what it takes to be a productive part of this team. And he's practiced at a really high level and he's done some things for us that, uh, you know, I truly believe that group will end up being a really good group again. Um, you know, and I'm not sitting here, you never want to talk about, you know, losing Zion, like it doesn't matter because I'm certainly not saying that, but uh, it's an opportunity for these guys to really go out there and go put their stamp on it. And, um, you know, uh, those guys have done a good job this spring and it's, it's fun to watch them. Um, you know, we've got some some young players coming in. We'll be able to see if any of those guys can help us in year one. Uh, you never really count on freshmen. I always kind of say you might hope maybe they can help you, but you never really count on them on the right. O-line, D-line in particular. Um, but, you know, we'll give them a chance as well. But we feel good about that, you know, that two deep that we've got, um, you know, at N, F, and, uh, and Nose, plus, uh, you know, plus Lawson, who hasn't even gone this spring. So we feel really good about, you know, those seven guys. What are some of the surprises – that, that, that you've seen from this spring? Has there been anything that is really, you know, whether positive or negative that you've really looked at and gone, they, I really didn't expect that to happen? You know, I, I don't know that it's a whole bunch of surprises. Uh, you know, what I think every year when you start over in the spring, what you're trying to find is you're trying to find the leadership on the team. Uh, because every year, you know, that's the fun part about coaching is that um, every year except for, I guess, 2020 when the whole team comes back, um, there's always a huge void in leadership. Uh, naturally, your older guys tend to be the more vocal, more assertive leaders. So uh, you get to see kind of how this team starts to take shape. And that was a big thing for us as a coaching staff earlier on is, you know, um, helping them understand how to lead, helping to facilitate their leadership. And you certainly can't make people lead, but you have to identify the guys that are capable of leading and you have to put them in positions you have to allow them the opportunity to do that so to see that develop throughout the course of spring has been a whole lot of fun and on both sides of the ball um you know you've got guys that you know like a neil johnson guy who's played here for a really long time well it's time for him to be a little bit more of a vocal leader it's time for him to to step up to the plate and do some of that stuff um aj gilly's the same way that guy has played here too much and too long and too well to not you know, and everyone respects the heck out of them. So, you know, on defense and some of the guys, you know, KCO Osai, like, 
you know, yeah, he maybe wasn't a quote unquote starter last year, but he's a natural born leader and he played a hell of a lot of football for us last year and played really well. So you're starting to see that start to take shape a little bit. And, um, and certainly it, it uh, that's, that's the fun part about building a new team every year. And it, and it is every year you're, you're figuring out what the, the culture of that team is. You're filling out what that team's pulse is and how they respond to things. So those are the things that are fun. I don't know if it's surprising so much as, you're always kind of like excited about, okay, who, who's going to be those guys? Who, who are going to be these guys that are going to do that for us? So those things are fun. And, you know, you talked about the linebacker group a little bit, but man, I mean, what, what a great group, uh, you know, with Casey and Jasper as two of the older guys that have played the most, you know, Caleb Edwards is a, is a really talented young player that played last year and played well, smart kid. I mean, active communicator, um, you know, and then, you know, Jake St. Andre and, uh, and Caleb Cabote have played really well this spring. Uh, and we haven't even had Gant in the mix, right. you know, because he, he's out from last season. He had to have a procedure cleaned up. So, you know, you feel really good about that group. Um, it's, a, it's a fun group, man. They're active. They fly around. They communicate really well. It matters to them. I mean, that is as competitive as a group as you're going to find anywhere. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just every spring you get to feel what this team is going to be like a little bit. And it's, it's it's fun you know that's what that's the fun in coaching is is figuring out what your team is going to be like that year you know spring is always an opportunity to put the last season in the past but looking at last year you know you went you went six and seven in year one but it was a season where you were really just a couple plays away from being a eight nine win team can you take anything away from last year and use it as as positive momentum heading into 2023 well sure you do i mean look (laughs) You know, and every year, right? Whether where the you know you go undefeated or, or or you don't win a game, there's gonna be some things that you need to pull from it that were good, and there's gonna be some things that you got to get fixed. And um, I believe that last year, you know, the way that it all ended um, for our team, it put us in a really good spot going into spring. Um, you know, certainly we were. I was proud of the way our team stuck together, especially when you hit a rough patch, kind of early middle of the year, and you know it, it got got pretty bad you know and uh, the team stuck together man these guys found a way to get to another bowl game and, and those things are all positives um for as much inexperience as we had and as much as we struggled in some areas early you know we're still you know a handful of plays away from being back in a conference championship and those things but that's all a bunch of ifs and so for us you know if you want things to change you got to change the way you do things so um for our kids it was easy to motivate them this year. I mean, when, when we got into the off season, I mean, they, they, they're not happy with the way it went last year. And, um, they know that we got to practice better, more consistently. Um, the situations that you're working in matter because they show up in the games. Um, you know, and the reality of it is that in the last three years, we were 13 and five in one possession games. The problem is that we were over four last year. So, you know, it's, a uh, you know, you look at it and you say, well, that's not bad. Well, yeah, but it was bad last year. So, you know, you gotta you gotta find a way to capitalize on momentum. You gotta find a way to take those momentum plays and turn them into positives. And then we as coaches have to put players in positions to make plays and they've got to make plays when it's a critical situation. So there's a lot of positives from last year that, you know, it's not like you go and bury the tapes and put them in the yard and say, All right, that that was that was last year. There's a whole lot of things that truthfully you need to learn from last year. Um, for us as a coaching staff as well, you got to take a really hard look at, all right, well, you know, what could we have done to have won some of these games that were so close? Um, and, and and as a coach, the first thing you have to do is look at yourself, right? And then you go from there, and then you take it to the players and say, these are the things that we got to do better. So a whole lot of things from last year that we took um, as learning experiences and took as things that we've got to get better at. And, uh, and certainly this spring, I feel like we've made a lot of progress and, you know, Today is about to be 13 practices. Lastly, what can uh, what can fans expect from the spring game on Thursday night? You know, Thursday night, the spring game, uh, the spring game to me is is kind of is just it's a culmination of what's been done in the spring um, for us, especially. You know, kind of with with one quarterback, you're not going to put him in a situation to go out there and in, in, in a compromising situation. Uh, the work's been done. It's going to be in and out pretty quick. It'll be competitive. Every play is going to count. Every play is going to matter. Um, you know, we're going to do some things a little bit different. It'll be a little bit more maybe of a practice format. 
um, where there's going to be some one-on-one pass rush, O-line versus D-line, some one-on-one routes, wide receiver, DBs. Um, certainly there'll be a red zone, gold zone period um, where it's red against white. Um, there'll be some game changer periods where it's competition, one-on-one stuff. Um, there'll be a little scrimmage portion in there, and then there will be two-minute scenarios at the end of the game where we'll play a two-minute end of half. Um, so the team that's winning, you're just trying to – any points you get are good points. Um, and the team that's losing, it's end of game. You need touchdown, whatever the case is, to win. So um, it'll be competitive. Uh, that's one thing about these guys is they come in, they hook it up every day, and they compete. And, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, – you know, we're celebrating a good spring, a productive spring. Uh, we have a lot of guys that made progress um, in the direction that we wanted to go. And um, I'm excited about the offseason. You know, the summer, there's a whole lot of work to be done in the summer. But I'm really excited about the steps we've made getting there. Coach, really appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you, Matt. We really appreciate Coach Dez's time here on this Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Once again, the Vermilion and White Spring Game taking place at 7.30 tonight. But due to the inclement weather in the area, it's going to be inside the Moncla Indoor Facility. Uh, So it is no longer open to the general public. Not to worry, though. I'm going to be there. So if you want updates as they come, just follow me on Twitter at MiguezMatt. We'll also have a three takeaways article from the spring game up on our website tomorrow morning to get your good Friday started off the right way on 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and when we return, we'll wrap up our number one. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of having a boring man cave? Because I know how it is. You know, you want to host all the guys over, have a couple of drinks, watch the game, but you want it to impress. Well, not to worry, because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you could score a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from Audio Video Innovators, and much more. Build the man cave of your dreams with the Ultimate Man Cave Makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up our number one here as we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Quickly looking at Augusta right now, we still have a three-way tie between Hovland, Rom, and Brooks Kepka at seven under. But when we were doing Coach Dez, when we had on the interview, a caller called in. And he wanted to know some stats when it comes to SEC play for three of the major guys for the LSU baseball team. Tommy White, Trey Morgan, and Dylan Cruz kind of want to see where their stats were in SEC play so far. Didn't think that Tommy White was all that great. Maybe a little overrated. So we kind of looked at the stats. Matt and I, thank you, Matt, for helping out with that. Looking at it so far... In the three series so far, Trey Morgan, he's going 13 for 39, so that's going to average out to a 333 batting average. He's ended up with four RBIs, 13 runs scored, and he's got the one homer for Cruz. He went, he's gone 19 for 35 in these three SEC series, which is a 542 average, 10 RBI, 15 runs scored, and has three homers, all coming from that Arkansas series. And then Tommy White. He's 14 for 39, so a little bit better than Trey at 358. He's first with 18 RBIs. He has eight runs scored, which is third of the three. And he's got two homers, both coming in game three versus Arkansas. He has eight more RBIs than Dylan Cruz. Has a better batting average, more RBIs, less runs scored, 
is the second best batting average, leads the team, leads the group in RBIs, and he is second in homers out of those three. I don't know that I would call that overrated. No. And it and it's great because he has a lot of opportunities and with those because there's a lot of guys that usually end up on base, which leads to him having big games where he's got a bunch of RBIs. And can I emphasize that he's a sophomore? He's a soft, he's 19 years old doing this. It's insane. Tommy White has been a very welcome addition for LSU. And then what Dylan Cruz is doing this year, you really thought he'd be able to do it last year, but man, he has just taken it to a whole nother level in, in 2023. LSU baseball has been incredible to watch and they're going to have a great series this weekend with the South Carolina Gamecocks game one getting underway at six o'clock pregame set for 5 30 and you can catch it right here on the game but that's going to do it for hour number one here on crunch time when we take a time out we'll return we'll kick off hour number two with Jake Crane joining us for Jake's takes we'll talk masters we'll talk the national championship game for LSU women and what's coming up this weekend right here on the game in Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, call us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we had a conversation with Louisiana head football coach Michael Desermo ahead of tonight's spring game. We also talked about the Masters and the New Orleans Pelicans. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk about the Masters some more as round one still currently underway. John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka in a three-way tie for first place. Scotty Scheffler making a move, though, at four under just three strokes behind. Right now, let's do Jake's Takes with our guy, Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Jake, happy Thursday to you, my friend. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I hope everybody's Thursday out there. So let's start with the Masters. You know, round one underway right now. Uh, What what are your thoughts about Augusta this weekend? Who really stands out to you as a, a potential winner? Well, you know, uh, John Rahm I, is, is an absolute monster. We know that. But uh, seeing what Brooks did, uh, I mean, he's been a guy that, that's kind of drifted into the back and, and being on the live tour now, he's kind of turned into a villain. But he put together a heck of a day. Uh, I, the two guys I picked to win it was either Xander Shoffley or Sam Burns. Burns was four under today. I think he was four under through five. But the course looked great, man. The weather looked great. Uh, I'm hoping Tiger makes the cut tomorrow. Uh, I just hope the wind doesn't get too bad this weekend because some guys put some numbers up today. Now, say, I I know there's still plenty of golf left to play, but say Brooks wins this thing. You know, does that add an extra level of drama to the live PGA saga? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, Greg Norman was basically barred from coming to the Masters because he talked about if a live guy wanted, they were going to celebrate on the 18th tee. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I think it's good for golf. I think it is good for golf if the live tour guys and the PGA tour guys hate each other. I think it would make for such exciting tournaments. Uh, I think eventually if the live stays around long enough that you're going to get some interleague play. But the more I think about this, man, I wonder if this whole live tour thing was a way to get the PGA tour to actually budge on the stranglehold that they have over the players because it's worked. It's worked. The defections caused the PGA tour to have to change some of their rules and, and kind of rethink the way that, that they treat the players. So if that was the goal, it's already worked, but I want both tours to hate each other. So, you know, and, and and as we're talking, Sam Burns just knocked in a birdie on 15. He's now at five under. 
Uh, oh, the, God. Keep, keep, you know, keep whispering sweet nothings to me. I got him at like plus 4,500. Let's just stay in the hunt. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's backtrack to the to the weekend. You know, men's and women's national championship games. Obviously, you know, we were we were thrilled with, with LSU taking down Iowa 102 to 85. And then the Monday night game, the men's national title game, went exactly as I expected. UConn yeah. ran away from, from San Diego State. What were your thoughts on those two title games? Well, I mean, the, the women's tournament, what a, what a huge win for women's basketball when you look at the viewership. And it's amazing how more people want to watch when you just focus on the on-the-court product or the on-the-field product and you don't try and make it about something else. Uh, I think that's a, a you know avenue that more sports need to take. I hope eventually they do. But uh, when you look at the men's game, I mean – UConn, in a tournament that was filled with parity, UConn absolutely dominated. They won every game by double digits. And when you look at them, I mean, outside of that short skid they had early in the Big East Conference play, they had been dominating all year. I mean, they were one of the few teams to beat Alabama because they had everything. They had size and good guard play. Sonogo and Klingon could both run the floor. So if they played teams like Miami or teams that wanted to get out and run, they had a way to combat it. If they played physical teams, they're bigger than you are. And then having Hawkins at, at, you know, the, uh, at the guard spot, he's the second best college player outside of Brandon Miller, in my opinion. So it was just a full team win. That's, that's who UConn was. They were a team. And you know, you brought up Jordan Hawkins and then Angel Reese, their, their cousins, um so you really know, you, you, you think you think wow. easter you think easter sunday is going to be interesting this year man the family gathering that's absolute dynamite but i'm not shocked i mean and look the whole thing with angel reese and caitlin clark I, I just don't understand why we make such a huge deal about trash talk it got to the point where people are trying to make it like about race look it was different what Angel and Caitlin did, but it, it's part of it. I watch Kirby Smart scream across the field, you know, dropping F-bombs. I see coaches do it all the time. Nobody gets upset. It's part of the game. And the funniest part is Caitlin Clark didn't have a problem with it. I say the same thing that, that people said when they're like, oh, Cam Newton celebrating the end zone the way he does is embarrassing. Well, how about you stop him? chatting with jake crane here host of crane and company i i, I agree with you you know it, I, I posted on twitter earlier this week you know if you if you can't take the biggest thing is if you don't want to hear it stop them like you just said but also it, from caitlin clark's perspective you can't dish it out if you can't take it when it comes back at you and yeah and she took it that's the craziest thing caitlin clark wasn't the one that went out and cried about this it right. was everybody else which is about status quo for where we're at now in society but but again i can be two things can be true at once what angel did was different than what caitlin did but you didn't physically contact somebody you didn't you didn't go put your finger in somebody's face it's trash talk like it's just part of it how many times guys are we watching games where guys call each other the B word all the time. Like, that's just part of it. And the higher level you go, we see it in Major League Baseball. We see it in the NFL. We see In the NHL, they let you fight. That's why you don't see it, because you can actually physically fight. You know, you brought up the MLB. What are your thoughts about the Atlanta Braves so far this year? Off to a pretty good start. Look, man, I'm not out of here trying to jinx anything. Nobody's getting excited yet. We run the NL East. We know that. That's That's mission one. I'm just really enjoying seeing the Phillies in dead last. Maybe that makes me a bad person. I don't know. But nothing brings me more blossoming personal joy than to see the Phillies struggle. The Nats, I don't take them seriously. You know, they got lucky one year, but, you know, the way it goes up in D.C., they can't figure anything out, so I'm not worried about them. But really excited to see the, the Phillies being exactly who I thought they were. Did they have to get lucky against the Astros, though? Look, Here's, I don't want to hear any complaining from Astros fans, all right? I, I don't want to hear any – but you guys literally are either in it or win it every year, all right? you guys, It's like listening to Bama complain. <laughs> Jake, you know, let, let's look at the NFL. Tyree like the Kill. Soviet Union. Like, if it's not perfect, it's terrible. <laughs> Good, take it. Soviet Union planes don't crash. Hey, Astro, the problem with Astros fans is that they're not used to it because pre-2015, they were horrible. Well, I mean, 
mean, how long does it take y'all to get used to it? It's been, what, like seven straight years of y'all coming out of the American League? I mean, y'all buried the Yankees. And you want it, Mattress, Mattress Mac is rich. I mean, what else as do I want? We, we, we buried the Yankees as it should be. Oh, no. we Listen, we'll come together and, and hold hands and look each other in the eyes on that one and say thanks. Yeah, as as it should be. But in the NFL, Tyreek Hill said today that uh, he's going to retire when his contract with the Dolphins ends in 2025. Smart move by Tyreek? Look, man, you am I the biggest Tyreek Hill fan? I'm not because of the off-the-field stuff. But I'm never going to get mad at somebody for getting rich and then retiring. I mean, we wouldn't do that in any other business. It's like, oh, you invented an app and sold it? You're retiring at, tw- at 30 years old? Man, what an idiot. No, I mean, look. You got your bag and you feel good about it, man. I mean, you've won a Super Bowl. I, I Again, li- live your life. Congrats on being rich. And then earlier this week, Cam Newton said that he would be, he would be willing to be a backup for nine NFL teams. <laughs> Are they the nine worst quarterbacks in the NFL? I mean, he, he mentioned Sam Is Howell. Is and, that the play? He's just going to pick out the worst nine quarterbacks and just up his odds? I mean, he, I mean, it's a high IQ play if that's what he's doing. But did he list any big-name guys? Jalen Hurts, Tua, Justin Fields. Um, and then it was like <laughs> Sam Howell, Malik Willis. He's thinking, well, I can tell you what he's thinking. Jalen, he's thinking Jalen runs so much he may get hurt. And they they kind of have a similar, you know, nah, I wouldn't say skill set, but they go about things the same way. Uh, the two attack of Iloa thing, he's everybody just waiting on him to get hurt. I mean, he's basically Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Uh, I mean, look, I'm surprised that, that Cam Newton isn't still in the NFL, but I don't think Cam's done himself any favors off the field. Like, I feel like Cam Newton's such a big personality. Like, are you willing to bring that personality into your organization? Now, it's, it's not on a Colin Kaepernick type level. I mean, I think Cam's still somewhat good at football, but, uh, Nothing would surprise me with Cam Newton. After watching what he did in college, I'll never, I'll never doubt Cam Newton at any point. Do you think the Pelicans get out of the play-in tournament? Man, I, I think that play, the Western Conference play-in tournament, you might as well ask me about the NCAA tournament, man. I mean, who knows? Uh, when you look at the Pels, here's the thing. I, I mean, are, we, are, we, are you to the point as Pels fans where you're like, look, we get in the playing game. That means, you know, we're technically in the playoffs. I know you want to win the NBA championship, but I don't think you have the team to win the NBA championship. So at the end of the day, you got to be asking yourself, does it really matter? The biggest question is, is you know, Zion. That's the biggest question. I don't think they got a shot to win the whole thing, but I don't know, man. It's just still uncertain times for me down there. If they could just get Zion healthy with B.I. and C.J. McCollum, huh. I really think they have a team yeah, that well, can make a run. Yeah, if I was seven foot tall, I'd be or, playing in the NBA. But right. I mean, you gotta. I mean, the man's looking. Every time I scratch my eyes, he looks more and more like Greg Oden. What's the plans for the Easter weekend, my friend? And we are going to see some family. Going to eat good. My grandmother, just like everybody else's grandmother on the planet, is an incredible cook. So uh, we're going to go watch the Masters. You know, watch uh, watch some NHL as we're getting down here to the wire, and of course, you know, watch the Braves do their thing. All right, you you brought up the NHL. Who's winning it all? Who's lifting the cup? I mean, it'd be so easy to say the Bruins because they've obviously dominated the whole year. But I, I don't know, man. My spotty senses are just tingling for the Canes. My, my team's out, so the the, the Washington Capitals Dude, got the Washington Capitals got eliminated. How are you a so. Washington Capitals fan? Um, a seven-year-old boy fell in love with a guy named Alexander Ovechkin. Okay, I was wondering where that story was going. I'm glad it ended the way it did. But uh, no, that's just really random. My brother's a Flyers fan, so you know it is what it is. Yeah, it, it it's so funny when I tell people down here that I, I'm a hockey guy because how the hell are you a hockey fan in South Louisiana? <laughs> well, that the crazy part is, and you know this, Matt, if you will just go to an NHL game, you'll start to like hockey. If you like you, football and you go to an NHL game and really try and understand it, you'll like it. Absolutely. Jake, hope you enjoy the weekend with your fam, and uh, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Of course, guys. It's always fun. And there he goes, Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Oh, man. You see, he just gave everyone sound advice. Go to an NHL game, and you'll fall in love with hockey. You will. The environment is unmatched. The speed of the game is impeccable. It's, it's great. 
take the take the six hour road trip up to Dallas, go catch a Stars game, and you'll fall in love with NHL hockey. Point blank. End of discussion. We'll take a time out when we return. We'll continue talking about the Masters. James and I will fill you in on what our ginormous Easter weekend plans are. And we will send you out to Columbia, South Carolina with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair. We'll do all that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text Rodeo to 337-283-8100. That's Rodeo to 337-283-8100. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 22nd and 23rd, and you can see all the excitement from bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text Rodeo to 337-283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're getting you ready for some LSU baseball here in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Do want to remind you that golf's first major is a tradition unlike any other, and you can bet on who you think is going to win at Augusta on Fandle. Right now, all customers can get bonus bets back if your Augusta winner doesn't win but finishes in the top 10. I'm going to take Rory McIlroy to win at Augusta, even though he's not looking too great right now. Maybe go with John Rahm. Who knows? Scotty Scheffler to play well, and then Jordan Speed to finish in the top 20. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's so many different betting options, and when you win, you're going to get paid instantly. So drive down Magnolia Lane and take a swing at betting the first major. Visit FanDuel.com slash KLWB to get bonus bets back if your Augusta winner pick doesn't win but finishes in the top 10. That's FanDuel.com slash KLWB. You must be 21 and older or present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Refunds are issued as novel travel bonus bets that expire in seven days after the receipt. Max bonus $25 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one 877 Seven seven zero. Stop. Rory's at one under. It's not that bad. Yeah. It, I mean, I know you're six strokes behind the lead still, but I mean, it's earlier not that bad. Earlier he was tied for forty first, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And now he's tied for. I want to say it's twenty seventh. Twenty sixth. I'm sorry. Names. Yeah. Twenty six. So hey, you're 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 right there in it. That's not that's not too bad. And look, what did I say? I said Jordan Spieth would have both strokes that he lost back by the end of the round. He's already gotten one back with three holes still to play. Yep, and he's tied for 16th right now at two so, under. So I kind of know a thing or two when talking about this golf thing. You sure? Speaking of which, I know round one's already underway, but if you want my thoughts on the Masters, head to our YouTube channel. It's also on our social media channels as well. I posted a video yesterday titled Over Par, where we look at the Masters this weekend. Um, So go check that out. Great stuff, as always. James, LSU Baseball, South Carolina, top 10 matchup. Mm -hmm. How many games do the Tigers win? Mm, It's interesting because South Carolina, did we really expect them to be number six in the country to start the season? Um... Not really. It's been I, a, it's no. been quite a surprise. It's been yeah. quite a surprise, and it's in South Carolina. I think LSU still gets it done. I'll take two out of three. Two out of three. Okay. I'm going to go with LSU gets a sweep. Ooh. I'm going to go with LSU gets a sweep. Okay. I think Dylan Cruz continues his his hot run of form. Um. I think Tommy White has it's a couple tanks, uh, another good weekend. But the guy that I'm really looking to watch pop off Gavin. this weekend is Jared Jones. Ooh. Now the reason that I say that is Jared Jones has been a guy that 
has a big weekend, kind of fades, has a big weekend, kind of fades. Well, he's faded as of late. So if it's going to continue, he's going to have a big weekend. So if we're following the trends, if we're, if we're following the trends, he's going to have a big weekend this weekend. Um, so I, I could see him popping off in Columbia. Again, Dylan Cruz does what he does. Tommy White does what he does. I think LSU's pitching dominates. Paul Skeens is going to just go ballistic tonight like he has every single start he's he's made. Um, and I think Christian Little has a big outing on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, first big game for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with LSU gets the sweep. Okay, I'm gonna go with LSU gets the sweep. Uh, all right, James, what's the what's the Easter plans? Well, for tomorrow, uh, my sister's getting my little sister's getting her wisdom teeth taken out. So for a little minute, I'm well, going happy, to happy Good Friday to your sister. Right, <laughs> that's Yikes. one way to that's that's how you spend it. Uh, so for a little while, I'll watch over her, but. Sunday, it's going to be like a low-key thing. All the family's going to come over to the parents' house and we'll just have a nice little lunch. Good for y'all. Good for y'all. Um, so, may may also on Saturday uh, celebrate Laotian New Year. Laotian New Year. Yeah, I got a lot, I got a lot of Laotian friends. Oh. Huh? Hey. Not bad. Look, look, look at James Mesh being... Well, what's what's the word? Multi cultured. Multi cultured. There you go. There it is. There it is. Look at you being cultured. Good for you. So tomorrow, I am going to celebrate with some crawfish because kind of become a tradition where you eat crawfish on Good Friday. And no invite. Hey man, that's honestly. Look, I feel disrespect. It's not my crawfish boil, so I can't mm. just invite people. Mm-hmm. I see. I was invited. I can't be inviting. I would if I could, but I can't, so I shan't. <laughs> um, so I'll be eating crawfish That's fair, tomorrow. That same sister keeps trying to call me. And then gonna go spend the weekend with the in-laws uh, down in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> it's pretty par for the course for you. It is pretty par for the course for me. I, I do enjoy my in-laws, um, which is surprising because most which, people which don't. is a good thing. Most people don't enjoy their in-laws, uh, but I do. So it'll uh, it, it'll be a good weekend. Definitely be relaxing. Um, we've been busy the last couple of weeks with different games and whatnot. So the long weekend to just kind of decompress and come back better than ever on Monday. Definitely looking forward to it. Are you ready for tonight? The spring game? Yeah, you got the spring Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Indoors. I'm I'm always thrilled to go cover the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I remember doing it in 2019. Yeah. When I was um I guess you could say interning. I in- was doing it I was doing it for part of school because it was a part of an assignment, but I also stayed for a hot little minute after cuz I guess they kind of got used to me being there, but I, I ended up like helping them with the spring game, and that was that was a pretty cool experience because that one was indoors as well. Indoor spring games are not the best; they're not great. Yeah, you don't really get to have the fans out there, but um, it, it'll it'll still be fun tonight. Again, if you want updates on the spring game, just follow me on Twitter at Miguez Matt. I'll be updating throughout the festivities inside the Cajuns indoor facility. I want to thank our guest today, Jake Crane, as well as head coach Michael Desermo for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, and give a hug to your mom and them. Hope everyone has a safe, happy, and healthy Easter weekend. And we will be back on Monday, 4 to 6. We'll recap the Masters. We'll talk about the Bristol Dirt Race in NASCAR. And much more right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Let's throw it over to Columbia, South Carolina and the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, right here on The Game.